Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that a great time of worship this morning? I was so lost in God's presence. It was lovely. Yeah. I've got a couple of things just to mention um, very quickly um, before I preach. Uh, this card that's on the table at the back there, we use these cards, uh, which uh, have been beautifully printed for us um, in our Good Friday service. Um, we've got quite a few left over. If you would like one for a bookmark or a postcard, then please do take a handful of them. The other card that you'll notice is on your uh, seats, or some of your seats, is a card that's got my story. Um, what we're wanting to do is to celebrate uh, God's goodness in what he's doing uh, amongst the church. It's one of our key values as a church, is celebration. And one way of capturing uh, how we can celebrate is knowing what your story is. Now, we're not wanting your story for the last 96 years, although that will be very interesting. It's recent God stories that we're, we're wanting. So this card is for that purpose. Um, so it's things like, you know, God's provided you financially, you've been healed of something, a neighbor's dispute has been settled, God's moved in your work, you've got a new job, whatever God has done in your life. Um, we want you just to write on this something maybe that you would share at life group, um, just so that all of us can celebrate. That's a good idea, isn't it? We did this um, at um, Catalyst last year. So if you want to do that, and then you'll notice there's a, a white post box uh, at the door, just to the right of the door, and you can pop it in there, okay? So do it today if you want to, but please take one of these, pop it in your handbag or your bag or your Bible or somewhere so you've got it, so you can put it to hand to write on and pop it in the box for us. Our hosts will then be highlighting some of these and we'll put some of them on the website as well. So if you can be doing that, that'll be great. Let's just pray, shall we? <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for your word and we pray that you would open up your word uh, to us today through the character that we're going to have a look at. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you ever wonder what it'll be like to live in somebody else's world? If you go to the cinema and watch a, a fantasy um, thing or um, an action movie or something, you enter somebody else's world, don't you? Maybe a detective story or a musical. Or maybe you think about people from the past, you enter into their world, what would it have been like for Mother Teresa to work in Calcutta? Or some of the missionary heroes uh, from previous centuries when they went out at great cost to themselves? Well, we're going to look at one of my heroes. He's become my hero this week as I've studied him uh, this week. And we're going to look about what it, life was like in his shoes. So if you can turn to 1 Kings and chapter 17... It's Elijah, uh, part of a small part of Elijah's life that we're going to look at here and read about. 1 Kings one King 17 and verse 8. The word of the Lord came to him, that's to Elijah. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar 
and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not fear. That's a great prophetic word, isn't it? Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop to this story because it's important to understand what was going on. This is one of those exciting Elijah stories. Elijah was a prophet and God called him to challenge King Ahab, who was the, at that time king of Israel. King Ahab was married to Jezebel and we are told that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, more evil than the kings before him. Ahab was being influenced by his wife Jezebel and brought the worship of Baal into the land, even building an altar to Baal in Samaria. Worship of Baal included burning incense, bowing down and kissing the image of Baal. And Baal means master or lord. So the people of Israel were worshipping both God and Baal. And I tell you, multi-faith worship does not work. In the Ten Commandments, God said, you shall have no other gods before me. He also said, you shall make no, for yourself no carved image. Therefore, this is a really bleak time spiritually in Israel's history. Baal was supposed to be the god of the weather, god of the crops and vegetation. His name sounded like thunder. Baal had to be appeased so the rain would come and the crops would be plentiful. So God now demonstrates that he has power because ultimately he is the one who controls all things, the weather along with life and death. As an aside, when we think about God's power, God's sending power, we often think about the miraculous. But actually here God is demonstrating his power through a drought. You see, there's much more going on here than just a drought. The early and the late rains had failed at God's command, and the country was reliant on seasonal rains. They would normally have rain in October and November, and then March and April, very different from our weather patterns. But Elijah prophesied to King Ahab that there would be neither dew nor rain for years, except by his word. And by that, he meant God's word. So this was a direct challenge to the God of Baal, the God who supposedly brought mist and dew and rain. Obviously, droughts affect everyone. So God supernaturally provides for Elijah with ravens, just in a few verses before, ravens bringing him bread and meat in the morning. Now, that, to me, is not a very nice picture. You think of bread and raven saliva. It's not a tasty 
meal, is it? But this is how Elijah saw, uh, survived. And he drank water from the book of Cherith. And because the drought was so severe, eventually this brook dried up. So this is where we join the story. So this morning I want us to explore living and giving by faith. Because that's what we see in this story with Elijah and this poor, nameless, poverty-stricken widow. So God speaks to Elijah and immediately he leaves Cherith and travels a huge distance. God said, arise, go to Zarephath. I'm glad I can say that name. I'm pretty sure that Elijah would have walked. There would have been, this would have been on dusty dirt tracks, up and down hills. He traveled north way past the Sea of Galilee, if you know the map there, up to uh, Zarephath, which was in the north, which was in present-day Lebanon. Elijah traveled probably about 75 miles. I measured it on the map, so it could be a little bit more or less than that. That's 75 miles as the crow flies, or maybe the raven flies, as that's current in the story. And this would have actually taken him many days to do it. On the journey, he would have had to have found water and food to sustain himself. Now, Zarephath was Jezebel's homeland, which was a center of Baal worship. So he was leaving the promised land and entering a foreign land and going to live in an area that was dominated by Canaanite pagan worship. The important thing in this story is that Elijah went by faith. This was a direct response to a personal word from God. Arise and go. He obeyed. God told him to go, so he went. God told him to dwell in the land, so he did. To be with the people. God told him that he would feed him. And God miraculously fed him. God kept his promise. We see that all in verse 9. This was surely a huge step of faith for Elijah. For him to go and be a stranger in a foreign country in a pagan culture without support was a step of faith. There was no McDonald's en route. There was no ATM that was handy. He didn't have a sat-nav. He had no travel companion, as far as we know. And on arrival in Zareph, his point of contact would be a widow. That's pretty flimsy, isn't it? This does not sound a great mission trip to me. I tell you, when I go on mission trips, I'm a little bit more organized than Elijah. This doesn't sound a great plan, does it? But God called him, so he went by faith. Widows of the day would not have been wealthy. They tended to be destitute. When your husband died, you were dependent on uh, remaining family members. Clearly, this widow was having a hard time. She was living hand to mouth in a drought. Why did Elijah go? Because he heard God and had a prophetic word to, to deliver to this destitute widow. So he arrives at this gate of the city and thinks he sees a city. So he says to her, and a huge ask this is, isn't it? He says to this woman, can you bring me some water? But very quickly he says, actually I'm hungry too. Can you bring me some bread? Now a number of objections to this request, I'm sure, would have been running through this widow's mind. Her response to this foreign is, don't you realize how desperate my situation is. I've nothing baked, just a hand 
full of flour. Put your hand out. Not much flour in her hand, is there? Just a handful of flour she had and a little bit of oil. And she said, I've just collected some sticks on the street and I'm going to make a fire. I'm going to prepare a small cake for my son and myself. And then that is it. There's nothing left. We're going to die. She has no more reserves. The bank account is empty. No family, no welfare state, no neighbours to help. And Bail certainly wasn't helping. She was at the end of the road. The incredible thing is this woman overcame her fears, her suspicions, objections and doubts about this foreigner. And she responded by faith. As the Lord your God lives. Remember, she is a Gentile. Elijah then prophesies. He uses his gift by faith and says, fear not. Do this and the God of Israel make sure that the jar of flour, the oil will not run empty, they will not run dry until the drought has finished. Wow, Elijah was really going out on a limb here, wasn't he, with his prophetic words. Such faith this man had. This widow then put her faith no longer in Baal, but in the God of Elijah. This prophet that had just turned up at the city gate, out of the blue, she gave a gift to him of food and drink. That little she had, she gave by faith. And God gave the supernatural increase. We see two incredible things here, two incredible expressions of faith. Both Elijah and this penniless, starving widow put their faith in God's word, believed the word, and they acted upon it. Elijah used his prophetic gift by faith, and the woman gave her gift by faith. This is my prayer for us as we approach gift day, to give, having heard the voice of God, and to give by faith. Do you remember the story of Jesus meeting a widow at the temple door? Let's just read that. That's in Luke and chapter 21. The beginning of Luke, chapter 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is astonishing. Both these widows gave everything to God. Yes, in different ways, but they were doing what Israel should have been doing. They were honoring God with their giving. This Gentile widow and this Jewish widow were both giving by faith. Now, I'm not saying give all your money next week, okay? Don't hear that. There's a principle here that is important. Giving by faith is not giving beyond our means. It is giving by faith. That is the key. The widow of Zarephath was obedient to the word from the prophet Elijah and still had enough left over for her son. The widow gave by faith the gift she had, and God promised 
to provide. The contents of the jar and jug did not run out for many days. This is amazing faith. You see, it's not the amount you give next week that is important, but that you give the figure God has laid upon your heart and that you give by faith. You sow financially into God's kingdom. So be that five pound or 50 pound or 500 pound or 5,000 or shall I add another naught? Maybe. To give in obedience and faith is the important thing. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12 says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. When I was working some years ago in Birmingham, I was working for a missionary society, the same missionary society that David and Carrie actually worked for. And it was a faith mission. We didn't have a salary. Uh, my church supported me. Um, uh, but I, I was at times short of money, but God always provided. And one day I was uh, in the morning service and this widow came up to me. And uh, she would normally shake my hand and ask me how I was. She shook me hand this, my hand this particular morning and somehow maneuvered a few coins into my hand. That uh, sent tingles up my spine. Not that it was a huge amount of money, but that she had prayed and responded in faith with what she had and supplied my need. When I lived in Canada for a year in 2010, I was again a bit short of money. It wasn't a, a rich time in my life. I'd got a sabbatical from the health service, so I wasn't uh, drawing any, any salary. And uh, as part of working with the church, I did a little, past, little bit of pastoral work. And I was asked to visit this man who I didn't know. And um, uh, I went to visit him. He lived in a pretty humble um, house uh, compared with most Canadians and in the area that we was living. Um, and he couldn't get out to church. He was... He was uh, disabled, and uh, I was just chatting to him, and he was asking me about my life and what I was doing. I was going to be going to Haiti, and at the end of that visit, he got his checkbook out and wrote out a $500 check to pay. He said, here, I want to pay for your flight to Haiti. God provides. That man's faith was just incredible. He gave from what he, what he had. You see, next week on our gift day, we're not having our whip round. <laughs> this is not crowdfunding. It's not sponsoring. It's not let us have a, you know, put, all put in a little bit and see what we can get. No, it's God's work. This is a, a faith venture. Our gift day is a very spiritual, faith-filled moment in time. So I want to encourage you to pray. And ask God the amount that he wants you to give by faith. If you're married, I recommend that you do this with your spouse. Otherwise, we'll have to put you on the marriage course. But let's give by faith. Each one must give as he has decided, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So let's come with hilarity next week with our gifts eh? and faith. Have lots of laughing next week, yes? God loves us to be hilarious when we give. Oh, I've got an amen. Hallelujah. Our faith will always be tested, you know. Sometimes the test comes through finance or an area that might cost us something or an area that is important. 
You know, Abraham's faith was tested with his firstborn son. <laughs> Joseph's faith was tested about conquering a city. Who conquers a city with people marching and priests blowing trumpets? It's nonsense. Gideon had to reduce his army to win the battle. The disciples had no purse, no bread, and no change of clothes when they went on a mission. Test Our faith will be tested, but we're to count it all joy when our t faith is tested, according to James, because it produces steadfastness. The outcome will be that God will provide the more that you need. He did that for this widow. The jars were full. Jesus himself said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Not some of them, all of them. We will move into the realm. When we live like that, we'll move into the realm of God providing supernatural provision, which at times can be in very ordinary ways, but at times it can be miraculous. You see, the Lord does not ask more than he promises to give. The Lord doesn't ask more than he promises to give you. There will always be enough when we walk by faith. Now, I'm not saying if you give £100, God's going to send £100 to you. I'm not saying if you give £100, you're going to get £200, or he's going to give you a car. No, that, that's absolutely nonsense. No, God says, if you give £100, I'll make sure you're okay, my son. That's what it is. God takes care of things. Next, God will use your gift, or can I put it in a different way? God will make room for your gift. Elijah used his gift. Being a prophet, he heard what God specifically said to him, to go, and he had a prophetic word for the widow. And later on in the book, he had a, a word for King Ahab again. The widow also used her gift. There is room in God's purposes for the widow's gift. Even though it was of meager resources that she had, just a handful of flour and a few meals of oil, that's all she had to give, yet she gave, and there was room for her gift in God's purposes. It was a significant gift, wasn't it? It wasn't much physically, but it was a significant gift. And that gift just kept on coming and flowing until it was no longer needed. Elijah lodged in that widow's home maybe for up to three years, and the three of them at least were fed until the time of the drought ended. Elijah and the widow would not have seen the big picture during the drought, but they used their gifts and gave. Are you willing to use your gifts for God without necessarily seeing the big picture? You may not feel you have very much. You may not have very much. That's not the point. Be like the widow. She gave by faith and in obedience to God. There is room in the church and the kingdom of God for your gift. There was room in the temple for the widow's offering, even though there were rich people putting money in to that offering. There was room for her gift too. There is room for your gifts, your talents, your spiritual gifts to be given. All of us have much more, don't we, than this widow. All of us have got much more than a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. 
1 Corinthians 1, 27 says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even those things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Elijah and the widow seemed foolish and weak in the eyes of those around. They were low and despised, yet God used their gifts. God will use your gift and make room for your gift. So the question is, what are you doing with your gifts for God? What is important to you? The gifts that you can give or something else? I haven't got time to go into it, but if you read 1 Corinthians 12, that tells you how important your gift is to the church. Using your gift can be different in different seasons of your life. Just because God has used you in a particular way in the past, it doesn't mean he's going to use you in the same way in the future. If the widow had different ingredients, she'd have made different cakes, wouldn't she? Looking back on the lives of some of my friends, I've noticed how God uses people very differently in different situations and in different seasons of our lives. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What a scripture, eh? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. We have a generous God. He sent Jesus. He's a very generous God. And we can be enriched in every way to be generous as God is. Next, as we use our gifts, they will increase. As the widow used the supernatural flour and oil, they increased. They just kept on coming. As you use your gifts, they will increase. If you teach in kids' work, you will see increase. The good seed that you sow into their lives will increase and bear fruit. As you use your gift of hospitality or whatever it is, you will benefit. Others will benefit. Relationships will develop and grow. The kingdom will expand. If you're a musician, if you practice, your gift will grow. And I know our musicians practice a lot. Whatever natural skill you have, if you use it, it will grow. Use it or lose it, as they say. As we pursue spiritual gifts, they too will increase. You will grow in them. If we celebrate and practice prophecy, it will increase. I was very excited this week. Someone contacted me. Um, they were in life group. They'd never had a word of knowledge. And they had a 100% accurate word of knowledge and the person was healed. I thought, that's pretty great for the first time. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that person needs to continue with that gift and that gift will grow. Hallelujah. That's the way it happens. As the flour and oil increased, so will our gifts increase as we use them by faith. I've been thinking a lot, as I said, about this story, and Elijah has definitely become a hero. And uh, I'd encourage you to read some of the other uh, passages afterwards. It's great stuff. But I was thinking about Ahab and the widow, and just uh, doing some comparisons here. Ahab was a Jew. The widow was a Gentile. Ahab was a king. The widow had no title. Ahab had riches. The widow was destitute. 
Ahab built an ivory palace. I don't know what an ivory palace looks like, but he built an ivory palace. The widow had a home with an open door. Ahab had status, the widow had none. Ahab had power, the widow had influence. Ahab took, the widow gave. Ahab was evil and angered God. The widow was humble and knew God's favor. Ahab worshipped many gods. The widow came to worship one. Ahab brought disaster on his sons because of his behavior. The widow's son was resurrected. You read the next few verses, it gets even more exciting. Ahab died a gruesome death. The widow found life. Let me just draw these thoughts together. I entitled this sermon, Living and Giving by Faith. So that's my sermon in a nutshell. Let's live and give by faith. But Jesus, you know, lived the perfect life of faith. He left the glory and riches and splendor of heaven to come to earth. He gave himself to the learning of the scriptures when he was young. And he grew in that wisdom. He used his natural talents in carpentry, in Joseph and Son's carpentry business, or whatever they called it. Jesus used his spiritual gifts as well. He taught the crowds, healed the sick, performed miracles. In faith, he saw that what the Father was doing as he prayed. Let's, during this week of prayer, see what the Father's doing and pray into that. Jesus had no mission strategy other than to follow the Father's will. Jesus gave the ultimate gift of his life, that generous gift that we might have life. Let us give by faith, having heard God's voice for this gift day, but much more than that, let all our giving be in obedient response by faith. This week of prayer and gift day, let's wake up, as Sam's word told us to, encouraged us to. Let us wake up and live and give by faith. Can I ask the worship team to come back as we pray? Thank you.